You're listening to the Thank God for Nostra podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of Thank God for Nostra. Today I'm sitting down with Vitor. Uh, he is the uh, developer behind Amethyst. How are you doing, Vitor? Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, thanks for coming on. I'm excited uh, to, to chat with you, especially since we've worked together so much uh, of late on the various uh, encrypted DMs stuff. Um, I figured a good place to start would be uh, just asking what what got you into Noster? What's your what's your Noster story? Well, it's it was actually um, in the beginning of the year. I was looking for ways to get out of Twitter, um, and of course, because of the whole you know Elon trying to buy Twitter and not really knowing what to do type of things, um, I got really scared of you know the future of that platform as a user. Um, I have been there for over twelve years or so, providing content to them uh, without ever getting anything back, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to search for something new. Um, I have I have had um, heard about Noster for quite some time. I, tr- I tested Noster a few years ago. It wasn't really for me at the time. Um, then I you know decided to take a look back again, see if uh, see if it, things have changed or not. Ended up going into I think it was Enigma at the time, the chat you know uh, client for Noster, which was super popular at the time, um, and has a lot of security issues these days but at the time was was fine um and decided uh, you know after using it for a while i decided that it it's probably a a direction that we all want to go no matter what and this idea of providing a very simple platform very simple structured for developers to code basically you know uh put myself at at um at a very interesting position of just trying to call this this uh, client as fast as possible, um, and I think that is actually by far the most powerful property of Noster. It's simplicity. It's simple idea that one or two days are more than enough for a regular developer to get a new client up and going, um, or even finished, um, and then ship it out and see if you know people like. I don't think you can do it in that speed with any other uh, stack that you might see out there, and especially not a decentralized stack. Like I have tried, um, like everybody else, I did my fair amount of shitcoinery back in the days, and I did try to build a similar system using Ethereum as as the the place to store audio information, and of course, as we know today. You know, block space is just too expensive for any application to, to even run on it or to be based on it. So I think Noster was just this really nice sweet spot between simplicity and the idea that you actually not, uh, the space, the block space is not scarce at all. So, it, you know, it doesn't have any limitations in terms of scalability from that sense. Yeah, I had a very similar uh, experience. I've, I've always been interested in front-end only development, um, you know, using Firebase and uh, other software like that. There was one called Backendless that kind of did what I wanted. Um, but they were all just kind of, uh, you're still locked into a third party. Firebase with its complexity, you know, I couldn't even figure out how to like start an app after a while because they were like, well, you know, you just use our template solution and then, you know, oh, but you have to sign in with Google in order to like 
bootstrap your project. Like, what kind of nonsense is that? And then, you know, backend list was fine. Uh, it was like just a key value store over HTTP essentially, but, um, but they had a weird SDK and eventually the company, uh, started charging for their free service. And I was like, well, it's not free anymore. So I don't know, I guess I'll build my own. And actually I was, I was working on something similar that would be powered by Bitcoin micropayments, uh, right before I started developing on Nostra, the idea was like users could pay for your storage costs, right? Uh, so you just send them an invoice and pass pass that uh, that uh, value capture through and and take a little bit for yourself. So yeah, I mean, the, the efficiency of working on Nostra is just completely unparalleled, especially since you not only have a computing platform, uh, I mean, in a sense, relays are pretty dumb, but you also have like data already pre-populated for you. So <laughs> you, you really don't have to do anything to, to bootstrap that. Um, you, you mentioned like the, the speed of development. What kind of, do you have, I mean, I guess you have a reputation for being uh, extremely productive and throwing new stuff into Amethyst all the time. Do you have any like productivity systems in place? What kind, how, what do you do to get so much out of your time? No, I don't. I, like, I, I have been around enough to know that none of those things actually help me. Um, I'm not sure if it's a me problem, but, uh, you know, the, the, the systems that we know from say corporate America to develop software, they never really worked for me. And with Amethyst, I just have the freedom to wake up in the day, decide what to do and just finish what I'm trying to do in that day, ship it and let people react to it, um, almost immediately. Um, and I don't think you can do this in many other products. It has to be like an open source type of approach where your users are um, okay with that type of experiment going on. And I think that's what, you know, at least from from the perspective of, of a new app that is running on Oster, uh at this time, all of our users are early alpha users that, you know, they're more than um, used to the fact that, you know, there might be bugs, there might be little things that um, are not super ready yet. The apps are definitely not, um, um, how do I describe this? Um, they haven't really worked their performance structure to the point that I would call them an official product yet. I think most apps are, are either slow or having their hiccups here and there that would simply break any product in the market today. But because it is Nostr, because it's so early, because uh, you know the community we have is so awesome that they accept these types of, um, of little issues, um, I think we can do a lot um, in, in a very short amount of time. And for me, frankly, it, I, I, you know, we lived long enough that we, we decided, I have decided myself that I don't really know what people want. It doesn't matter if my brain tells me that this might be good like I have to ship it, I have to see it being used, and if it is used, then I double down on it. Um, we all have opinions, of course, um, and I try to bring this to the uh, NIP process as well. It's like, sure, you can have a new idea, might be interesting, but until we get somebody actually building it and shipping it and some users uh, trying to, to make sense of this new feature, um, you don't know if it's gonna work or not. And I just try to take advantage of that perspective and ship everything I can as fast as I can, even if it's not fully baked. Uh, for yeah. instance, I just released today a version that has uh, push notifications for 
um, uh, the open source edition of Amethyst, which does not include any Google uh, API, and that uses unified push. And you know, it took us five months to get here. So the the push notification for the Google uh, edition uh, was shipped way before, and that is just fine. You know, because people they can't wait; they are they are okay on going through this experiment today. And it, it actually makes it fun for everybody else. It lets people test, let pe lets people participate on the development of the platform, uh, question us and challenge us in, in ways that you wouldn't see in a regular product. Yeah, I, lo I love that philosophy of development. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's kind of just the encapsulated in the bazaar versus the cathedral sort of approach. Uh, right now, I'm trying to walk back a nip that I pushed for back in March. It's the only nip with only my name on it. And uh, it's the account NIP45. And I've been working through uh, just thinking about DVMs and relays and stuff. And I think it's a bad idea now. And I'm trying to get I'm trying to get it deprecated and everyone wants to keep it. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to kill my own mistake, but uh, no one will let me. Uh, it is uh, going to be hard for Nostar moving forward to remove features from existing either relays or, or clients, mostly because we want to make sure there is some backward compatibility that they continue to work. Um, but you know, we will we will definitely evolve the system in such a way that they will we will deprecate almost every nip that is out there today at some point in the future. Because that is one thing of NOSA that I know if you are if you stick to engineering principles enough, everything is wrong. Yeah, you know the fact that we choose true. hexes is wrong. The fact that we serialize the JSON in a fixed way is is wrong. The, the signatures, the curves we use are wrong. The uh, encryption we use are wrong. It's everything is wrong if you are, you know, strictly speaking about engineering. But it is a platform that is working, right? So it, we have to give it some credit that whatever um, benefits this the set of features uh, created really took the platform from being something that is just theoretically possible to being used and being preferred than many of the other platforms. Yeah, yeah, it's a really fascinating trade-off. Uh, I know a guy who's working on a very similar architecture, uh, similar protocol, and he uses a lot of the correct uh, the correct um, primitives, but he wrote his code in Rust. And uh, so it's just like, it's not nearly as accessible uh, or simple to understand. And I wonder how important it is to to maintain that quality moving forward. Like Nostr has enough buy-in and momentum behind it that uh, it could it can get more sophisticated and more technical and not lose its momentum. Uh, you know, the ease of use is something that was really important in the beginning, and I think it's still pretty important to keep it simple. Uh, I mean, you know, if you have to learn all these primitives uh, before you can write any code. You lose that that momentum that for application development that you were talking about, um, but it sounds like you're not too worried about uh, nip uh, nip bloat. Uh, no, I think it's it's fine for now. Like we are too early on this. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're gonna deprecate everything in, in time. So it's it's at some point we will figure out a way to do uh, to migrate the text based approach to a binary protocol. Um, when everybody is ready to use binary and it's as easy as um, just parsing a JSON, then I, I do think we get to a point where we migrate over um, and we're going to have this like Nostr 2.0 or that will be a transition 
that you know in in between these times, uh, relays will take both text and binary content at the same time, and then we deprecate one, and at some point we're going to deprecate the text all from it. Um, so I'm not really super. Um, I, I do think NIPs um, need to be small and simple uh, this time. Um, so it, it, I usually like this happened with with the um, uh, gift wrap conversation because gift wraps are too complicated, and um, and it, it was the the issue that I have with it since the beginning. And you kept pressing me to, to take a look and take a look at it, and uh, and I was like, at, up to some point that you, I actually went there and um, and we we finished this first draft of a new messaging system for for Nostr using gift wraps. But it's still, it's expensive uh, in terms of processing power. It is kind of complicated. It's a new encryption system that is not as common as the one used in NIP4. So we, we don't expect that adoption to be as fast as, as it could. So if there was uh, a way to make a, an easier system, I would definitely prefer the easier system. Um, but the same is true for Zaps, for instance. I, I do think the Zap NIP is actually extremely complicated. And it doesn't need to be. If it's just to send receipts back and forth, it doesn't need to be that complicated. But you know, it is what it is, and we it is what we have. But you can clearly see that there is a there is this um, during the period of development of a new client, they develop kind of kind ones and all the reactions and the reposts, and then there is a period where they kind of go in the background and they come up after two or three weeks with like a Zap implementation because it's so hard. It takes that yeah. that time to actually uh, code it. Um, so, and we should try to avoid this. I'm not sure how to avoid, but it is, um, I think VHF has a good, um, mindset of just trying to delete everything that is not uh, really adding much to the conversation in the, in the repository there. So, um, let's just hope we can do a good job and we can keep it simple and without, you know, putting too much, uh, but at the same time, I do think we should code everything people want to do. There is a new use case, a new event kind that somebody's excited about that goes in. You know, it doesn't need to be, we don't need to change the base protocol to get new apps built uh, on Nuster. As long as people actually code it, it should be fine. Yeah, it's a tough balance. I feel like you're probably on the the less conservative side of, of NIP development and then, you know, VHF would be on the more conservative side. But then you have other other positions that are kind of, uh, you know, like Will always talks about forking the repo. And I don't even know what the repercussions of that would be. Uh, I mean, you'd be forking the protocol, you'd be losing interoperability potentially. But then also just assessing whether any particular NIP is uh, is important to the protocol. Like, you know, count, for example, is would be easy to deprecate because it doesn't have that much, uh, that much support and the features that do rely on it uh, are pretty pretty niche and uh, small. Whereas, you know, if you had to deprecate zaps, that would be very impactful. Um, but at the same time, like count is fairly clean and simple and zaps is really complicated. So like the zaps, zaps deprecation has got to be very hard. Um, you know, I was, I was trying to add zap splits last week and, you know, it's not like a focus of core goals. So I wasn't, I was just kind of like randomly working on it. Uh, and it was just too much of a pain. And I just said, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm just not going to support zap splits for right now because there are better solutions out there. Like, you know, prisms are a really elegant way to, to solve this. And I think that's how Nostr uh, scales to, to have more functionality is by outsourcing things. 
whether it's to relays or whether it's to libraries or to DVMs. Recently, I've been um, working, uh, I've been writing my first DVMs actually, and I am excited about DVMs. Um, I, I'm, this is actually what I'm going to talk about at Nostrasia. I was going to talk about groups and I was writing my talk and I was like, nah, DVMs are way cooler. Um, and, uh, you know, my basically, my basic pitch is DVMs are functions, event sets are data. And so you can get like some functional programming, uh, primitives out of DVMs. Uh, so I'm going to explore that, but have you played around with DVMs at all? Uh, yes, just, just barely, just enough to know what they do and, and how to make it work. Um, I do love this idea of, because uh, I think in the beginning we had this impression that every function, like you said, every service must be provided by a relay that has all the data within the same computer and then can provide a similar service. Um, DVMs kind of break that into two components and you make it so that, that every pub key out there can actually become a server and can provide service to others. Um, um, for profit or not, right? So it, it, you create this very interesting architecture where you're fully decentralizing from the this idea of the relays that are bulkier and then they can do much. I still think they will exist. You know, most of the um, statistics and the analytics that we, we might uh, need to see out there require a full database in the same machine. So that could be a relay. But for every other service that, not, doesn't need to be the case. They were like, the, the service can simply sync the amount of data it needs, computes everything, and then reverts it back to you. What I, what I wish we got better at is this idea of paying for those servers uh, or for that service, right? So if it is a per call fee, um, I want to make it automated. I want to make it in such a way that you know, you don't have to receive a message and then zap the message and then that zap counts as payment. Like that is too complicated for me. It could be a lot simpler in the sense of, you know, I make a request, I receive an invoice, I pay the invoice. I, you know, in, in our case, we show the invoice on the screen, how much it's going to cost, and the user will press um, a confirm, and then the system pays it. And so there is no other kind of shenanigans going on to try to create that system without having the UIs in place for it. Right, so I do think that could be enhanced a little bit. But other than that, it's it's a super nice idea. We just need more and more services, um, more types of results. For instance, a result that is a a dynamic feed, for instance, for me is very different than a, a picture from a, an LLM type system um, or other types of translations that we might have out there. They're just very, the ways you're gonna use this um, are just very different. So we're going to have to have, you know, individual interfaces for each one of them. Um, maybe what Pablo is doing with just, you know, trying to create a service directory and you kind of just walk through the entire option list that you might have, like a, a yellow page type thing for, for you know, for DVMs. Yellow page, that kind of reveals my age, I guess, but um, it is it is something that I'm expecting uh, to grow in Noster and, and I hope that, you know, more and more clients end up implementing at least part of that specification for the, the services they think it's important to the user over there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of, lot of stuff there. The payments part, you're right, is, is really important. And I think it's like pretty trivially solved if we're okay with custodial features. 
because you know whether it's relays or um, DDMs, if you have a custodial uh, you know Noster wallet kind of thing, it it can handle the authorization of all that stuff in the background, and you just pay you just keep it topped up. So I, I think we'll get there on that. Um, another model that I think is really promising is relay proxies. So this was something that there was a little bit of research into earlier this year. I wrote Multiplexter to reduce just bandwidth requirements, basically. And it just wraps the protocol and passes it along to the relays so you don't have to deduplicate on the client. Really simple. But as I was looking into uh, you know, uh, metadata hiding, kind of the privacy stuff with direct messages, um, it seems to me that if you have a proxy you can trust, uh, you can... You can use that proxy to do a lot of the smart things that clients don't necessarily know how to do, like NIP65 routing, for example. The client can just connect to the one proxy, send all the stuff, and then the proxy can look at the message and say, okay, well, who is this to? Let's go ahead and select only their inbox relay. And you know, you're preserving privacy, you're improving performance, um, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of other things that that proxies can do too. Uh, just by inferring stuff from the messages. So that's kind of a, a promising option. Obviously, you have to be careful because uh, with auth, for example, a proxy could hijack your authenticated session with other relays and act on your behalf. So you'd really want to have a high level of trust with that kind of thing. But 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 you can imagine an integration between the that GVM uh, broadcasting service and a group feature. Right, because it's if if we use the regular uh, group GMs that we proposed uh, or I proposed a few months back, there are way too many messages to be generated for large groups, right? But a DVM could do that easily. And if we are sending to each one of the NIP65 relay that are receiving this one for each user, it's actually not overcrowding Nostr as in terms of the number of events because each event goes to its own relay, to its own user. And so you don't have a lot of duplications um, everywhere else. Um, and that could be a DVM. I think that could be actually a very smart way to do subscriptions, um, like paid content, um, where you know every month or so, you have to update uh, either a list of users that are, that are able to access a secret that can decrypt that content or, um, or pay for that subscription every now and then, right? So every, uh, there's a cadence for, for that subscription. And um, you want to have either a DVM or the Nostar Wallet Connect as a service paying for those things because the user might not be uh, logging into the client to make that payment um, in the period that you need it to, right? So if you have a cadence of, you know, that is daily, for instance, and I don't turn on my app today, that payment will never be paid by, say, Amethyst but it could be paid by the DVM. And usually when you have a subscription, it is important to keep your payments um, constant, right? Either you, you were gonna miss something or you know the vendor is not gonna like it. Um, you might lose account for a few uh, hours or days. So it is important to keep that, the payment service, either on a DVM or in another server centralized out there. And I think DVMs can actually be used for this as well. Um, so it's, I don't know exactly what's the best solutions. If it is the Nostra Wallet Connect service, which seems to be best right now, or a DVM. But if we want to decentralize, the option would be a DVM, right? Because you don't want to have everything on the Nostra Wallet service as well. 
Um, so you could just choose, you know, which DVM is your trusted payment provider um, to do recurrent um, processing for you. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because, like, part of the purpose of DVMs is is to have a an open market where where DVMs can compete. And if you're if you're picking one, it's the same thing as picking a relay. You know, relays are redundant, and so if you pick a relay, now you're just re-centralizing. But at least you have that you have that choice, yeah, and you don't have vendor lock-in, so you can always move from one to to another. That's a lower form of decentralization, but it's still better than only having one option. Um, your comment about uh, the the messages uh, being sent to a whole bunch of different relays is really interesting. It made made the the NIP twenty four DMs click or group messages click in, in a little bit different way for me than I had thought of. You know, like that is that is kind of like a well known problem in messaging. I've been catching up on encrypted messages and the thought in that space. There's a great podcast called. Um, Security, privacy, or security encryption, whatever I think is what it's called. Um, and uh, I got into it because they had the guy on who wrote MLS, and he explained, you know, you've got you've got the very secure, very simple schema where you encrypt the message for each recipient and then send it directly, and then you have the very insecure, uh, very simple scheme where you have a shared key and maybe you rotate it, but and you might get uh, some uh, forward, uh, was it future uh, secrecy, but you don't have post compromise security at all with that. And then, and he was saying, I'm trying to scale the first method. So what he does, he uses a binary tree in MLS in order to uh, reduce the number of uh, keys that have to, or reduce the number of messages that have to be signed individually because there's some key sharing, but because it's in a tree. You know, you can deal with the the key invalidation in a little bit uh, more efficient way. It's basically instead of uh, constant uh, or uh, I guess exponential um, uh, uh, complexity, it's it's logarithmic. So it's much better, but it's also extremely complicated and relies on uh, ordered delivery of messages, which Noster is not uh, not very good at. <laughs> so, yeah. but but what you're saying about sending those messages to everyone's relay. You know, that's a very characteristically Noster solution. Uh, oh, we have a scaling problem? Well, who cares about scaling? Like, uh, we'll just do more redundancy. Uh, we've got redundant relays, uh, so let's use them, and we'll throw separate messages. I mean, there's going to be a whole bunch of copies of the same message, even if there is a shared key on multiple relays anyway. So why not uh, just sign it for every recipient? That's an interesting idea. I'll have to think more about that. Yeah, and, and, and it works even better when you you visualize this this possible world where each user might have their own personal relays. And I use relays in plural because it might not be just one. I, 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 I'm tending to think that we're going to have multiple relays per person, one for each kind of role uh, that we want to play. If Noster truly scales to the level we want, we will have multiple servers and for each one of the things that we want to do in the platform. Um, and if you think about personal relays, then it becomes very easy to do private communications because essentially you're not sharing any event with unknown public relays out there or relays that aggregate data for you. You are sharing only with the recipient of that information. And I think that actually has a lot of, a lot of, um, interesting uh, outcomes if, if we can actually build it and if it becomes simple enough for us to use it. Um, simplicity is the problem on, on those things, right? It's the reason why Nostra is not peer-to-peer. -peer. But if it 
were, um, there would be relays that each um, user is controlling um, and, and providing access to all of the person's friends to that specific relay. And we might have a structure of, of a tree of relays where each person will have a public facing and a private facing relay, like a backup relay for all your private content, while there is a public one that is just for, you know, to let everyone else get the messages that you are writing and that are supposed to be public uh, nevertheless, right? So there is, there is this notion that I'm exploring right now with, with the peer-to-peer -peer type of connection um, that does include, you know, private servers, um, private relays, either running in the web as a, as a regular server or also running in the phone itself and storing all the information in the phone. Um, so I'm exploring this, this really new world of like how to make this work in a way that it doesn't complicate Nostr, um, but it also doesn't centralize things again um, in, in a given provider, for instance. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a really interesting um, idea. Uh, relays. Uh, it's nice to see more more experimentation being done with relays, uh, and and the idea that uh, every individual person would need multiple types of relays. I mean, I don't think that would that would literally be possible um, because you know that's kind of the personal web node idea of Blue Sky, where everyone actually has their own thing that they administer or or rent or whatever, and. I, I just think that's kind of overkill for a lot of use cases, but but what you could potentially do is create a relay software that has multiple virtual relays bundled within it. Yep. And so they're basically different views for the same information. And you just publish to that single relay. It has one database, but it has a public uh, name where everyone can read your public data. Uh, it has a, you know your publish uh, URL where you publish your your um, your, your, I mean, I guess you could publish to the public one too, but, uh, and then your, your like private read one that authenticates only against your public key. And then maybe you would have another member list where you administer your groups. And so you've got a single piece of software, a single database. Uh, you don't need, uh, more redundancy in terms of actually like physical copies of the, of the information. And they would be able to deploy these and, and have them fulfill multiple use cases and sort of have like kind of a Hydra, you know, all things, all people kind of approach. Um, tell me more about the uh, the P two P stuff. Um, the uh, you know, like relays. Often people think of them as WebSocket based, but really it's just like a relay is a named repository of events. That's essentially what it is. WebSockets are not essential to it. It's just one of the you know potential adapters that you might need to use. Uh, so yeah, what are you what are you working on with that? Yeah, so the the idea for for peer to peer is is actually very simple. With, with Nostr, we have this, this protocol where we mix a data model and the communication to between, you know, relays and clients. It's kind of like one protocol. Um, in the future, I'm pretty sure we're going to split those two. And, the, you know, the filters and all the WebSocket-based uh, definitions will be one protocol and the uh, Nostr events will, and the cryptography and the signatures and so on will be a separate protocol. Why? Because it's very easy to think about different ways to transfer the same object. If the object is signed, it, like, it doesn't matter if you're going to use uh, WebSockets or not. It doesn't matter if you have access to maybe, um, say, a full Oracle or PostgreSQL database on the web. And instead of doing the custom filters we have for Nostr, we just do regular SQL queries 
straight in the database. It's going to be a lot more powerful, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be a use case that we will need that type of power at the client side. And you know, so we're going to get there no matter what happens. Um, but then an extreme version of this is maybe we don't even need a relay in the first place. If there, is, if there are two devices that are already connected and they can see each other in the network, then they don't need to transfer through relays. They can just talk to each other as, as if they were uh, uh, any peer-to-peer app. And because we use the same system, so the events are still signed and so on, um, they are just transferred in another medium. Um, so I, I was testing a few weeks ago three different implementations. One is Bluetooth-based, so two phones in the same uh, physical space could, could transfer. Um, a version that is Wi-Fi-based, so it's the same thing, but you have to be connected in the same network. Um, and then a version that is kind of WebRTC-based, so if you just try to make a phone call with another person, but instead of transferring bytes of that call, you transfer the, the event itself. But essentially the same structure. And you, you might you might say, you know, why do you even need to build all those things? Well, if you truly want privacy in Noster, you don't want any event transfer being transferred through any third-party relay. You just connect straight up to your friend and you're gonna go messages back and forth um, between these two uh, clients per se. So in the end, say a um, a, um, a Nostra Wallet Connect service, for instance, could be accessed directly um, from the client, um, directly accessing that server instead of going through a relay first and just transferring the, those events there because they're payment, because you know it's more sensitive information. It might make sense for some people to utilize that that provider. But the beauty of it all is that because we have relays available today, that becomes the base layer. If everything fails, it goes back to the relay, right? So if I try to send a message to you peer-to-peer and say your firewall or your uh, your ISP is blocking that connection, I can always say, you know what? Let's revert to the relay and ship it over there. Um, so it, it Noster is, is so powerful that creates this possibility of, yeah, you can get better at, at sharing these events while kind of not destroying or, or still... Uh, sustaining the base layer of the network as, um, you know, a layer one. So I, I think about peer-to-peer as a layer two for Nostr, in the same way Lightning is for Bitcoin. It's just a way to do faster, simpler transactions or more private transactions that you might not want, you know, any third party viewing that uh, content. You know, the, the typical example is an airdrop of, a, of your a baby's picture from mom to dad, right? Like, no one else needs to know. This is going to be sensitive. People don't want their, their baby's face on the web. Why are you sending it to, I don't know, Nostra.build? You don't need it. Just straight up make a, I don't know, NIP95 NIP event, put all the bytes in the event, and ship it through Bluetooth. And, you know, yeah, it's going to take some time in this case, but it will get there. And if it fails, you can always go back to the release. But if not, then you have a fully private communication between uh, say the the family members in there, and you can think about the same thing as you know in companies in that are multiple layers to this that um, different privacy levels might be uh, implemented in slightly different ways. Each one of there with their the right level of access to to the web um, in the, in those events. 
Yeah, nice. Uh, I, I I think I understand your vision a little bit better, especially for Nip Nip ninety five, which uh, you know didn't make a lot of sense to to throw all your binary data into into like a JSON object or something. But uh, Nip ninety six doesn't really cover that that use case at all because it assumes the network architecture. Um, so one one thing that I've thought thought about on and off with regard to all this stuff is is routing. Um, you know, I I I've never uh, actually done any Ethereum or anything, but I've, I I was talking to a guy a while back, and he was saying that Ethereum's problem, I mean, one of their many problems, I guess, for for decentralized apps, is uh, is the routing layer. Um, in order to find out what service to connect to, you have to connect to like a routing service, and that adds a whole bunch of latency and degrades the user experience. And so, developers, in order to improve the user experience, would just cut out the routing layer and hard code a URL, and go straight to that. And that just breaks all the decentralization of the whole system. And I'm, you know, a little worried that uh, that's what's going to happen with um, with uh, with Noster. Um, and, and I think the more functionality that we put in relays, the more meaning those names have. Um, and so, you know, clients are just going to hard code the relays that have search support uh, rather than try to discover those. I, I'm really glad that Pablo has done, did Nib89 before he did DVMs because you know, DVMs are, uh, any DVM can respond to your request because your request is public. Uh, I mean, it's as public as the relay you publish it to, I guess. And so, you know, relays being the only thing with names is probably ideal. Uh, so you have a name system, but it's like a redundant name system. So you connect to multiple ones and then every other component in the system, whether it's pub keys or clients or, or DVMs or whatever, um, then basically operate around that around relays is the routing layer. And I don't think this has been thought about that much. I wrote a blog post, but I still feel very fuzzy about what the, how routing works, what, the, what its purpose is, uh, what the threat model actually is. And like P2P definitely makes sense for, for transferring like private messages. Uh, if you have a route to the person, that's a fairly obvious uh, route to follow and being able to fall back to relays is also really nice as well. Um, where it becomes more problematic is when you have centralized services that are serving multiple people. So, you know, uh, whether it's identity providers or, uh, group access or analytics or something like that, which is why I'm so excited about DVMs. Uh, hopefully we can build more of that functionality into there. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you have a concept of routing in your head that you could, that you could share and explain? Uh, I feel like that's a, an important thing, but I don't quite know the terms to think about it. So not yet, but I do. Um, I have been asking for indexing service services for quite some time. The idea is you have an event ID, and you gotta find that event, right? How do you do today? You know, the client has to somehow figure it out, hit every every relay until you get what you want, and that is just not efficient. So you can think about. Um, new indexing services that in the past I thought would be full relays that would just have that capability. Um, but more and more, this looks like it's going to be just a simple DVM that you can just say, you know what, where is this event? And it's going to reply with all the relays it has seen um, a given uh, event ID. It's a super light database that you can definitely um, store um, as, just as, as an indexing option in, in that service. And then you you are free to choose which service you want as as an index provider. 
So it's it's it breaks it even decentralization even further, right? Um, but the question you you are more connecting to, which is how do you do routing between two public keys, is even more interesting because I do think there is a way to do because you know Nostr was created with this notion where two public keys can talk to one another if they share one relay, right? And and that is that is interesting, but it doesn't really scale that well. So we have to build a way for two people to talk to one another where they're not sharing any relays from one another. And it might be that we need an indexing service to figure out which relay to talk to when you're doing an IP65 kind of um, gossip model uh, stuff. But there will be, uh, I think in regardless of how you build it, there will be like a tree of relays where when we, we scale enough, we are going to essentially rebuild the IP infrastructure for for relays. You're going to have a relay here that has, say, a CDN over there in Japan, and the two are going to be in sync through another relay that might be in Europe to facilitate. Um, and the, the same provider might control the three relays. And if a user is, is just looking at the relay in the US, uh, the person should see the information coming from Japan, even though um, the, the people over there will not be using the same relay. So for me, there is a chance that this happens. Um, it's just like you said, like what's like how do we make sure centralization doesn't become a problem when it does happen, right? And and maybe DVMs are the answer for that. Yeah, definitely. I think a partial answer. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not a complete answer because it doesn't seem like it'd be enough. Um, the uh, yeah, the the routing the routing thing with NIP sixty five is interesting um, because. Uh, well, so there are some indexing services. Like, do you hard code purple pages into Amethyst at all? Uh, no, not yet. Mostly okay. because of the centralization problem. I try to avoid yep. these types of things. Like, we don't even suggest, you know, uh, which people we should follow. Because I know the algorithm would just point to the bigger accounts. And that's not going to be, you know, interesting for to decentralize the, the web. Yeah, so... Uh, so you don't use purple pages and you don't suggest things. I, I totally agree with that. And I'm glad that you're, uh, you're pretty, pretty, uh, tough on the, the decentralization, uh, issue. I, I definitely make some, some, uh, compromises in Coracle in order to have a user experience. You know, I, I hard code search relays as well. Um, but you know, those things are definitely on my radar as far as, uh, things that need to be, need to be solved in a, in a more open way. Um, Search relays actually might become DVMs, right? Like it's probably yes. better if they become DVMs than if we rely on centralizing search infrastructure coupled with the same server that kind of stores, just stores events. Uh, for me, it's they are two different functions and they should decentralize from one another. Yeah, and what DVMs does is it, it, re it lowers the barrier to entry to new players. So... Even if you have a Google DVM, you know anyone can just set up their own uh, DVM that fulfills search requests. And I think an interesting aspect of this too is going to be the authentication side of things, because auth uh, prevents or it allows relays to protect proprietary content, uh, whether they're protecting it for privacy purposes on behalf of their users or whether the relay is run by like a publisher or a community admin or something like that. 
um, D, not any DVM can actually index that relay's uh, content, which means that you need to be able to route through the relay to a DVM that can provide that that service, right? So if I want to search this relay, let's just say search is not part of the relay spec anymore. Um, I need to find a DVM that knows or has access to that relay, essentially. Uh, it doesn't have to already have it indexed because it can do that on the fly and have a, have a slower response, but um, it does need access. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how to solve that problem? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, in the end, searching in any analytic, analytics provider will have to have a copy of everything, right? Either if it's decentralized in that specific or centralized in that specific server, or in multiple servers that the same entity controls uh, and can establish the protocol to communicate and bring that data to the to the computer that is up front, which is the relay. Um, in the end, we're going to have so much data on this that I, I can't see a single computer actually processing this. So I, I take, for search, I take a more corporate view, microservice view, if you wish, where there's going to be thousands and thousands of service uh, of servers that will receive our search query and will run um, in the same way kind of Google does today with multiple web pages. There is, I don't, I don't see a way to avoid that future just because we're going to have so much data that a single machine will never be able to actually do a search function. So we have to find ways to just enable that. Um, and that is the same problem of, you know, the relay in the US and, and the same relay in Japan kind of sharing the same data set. Uh, we will have to find a way to do a relay CDN type of thing that you have multiple relays in multiple locations, they all access the same database. And uh, because the database is super large, there's going to be a, a bunch of computers um, in between them and they have to just orchestrate this whole thing in the best way they can. It, it might actually be uh, it might actually make sense for the protocol to break um, a relay from the database itself and to just say, you know what, the relay is just um, one of the ways you can access the data that these computers are receiving or are storing, but the storage is a separate business altogether. So it will be, you know, uh, the clients will not be able to access storage servers um, directly. They access through relays, but most relays will provide access to other storage services that in, in their own specific language where they can share their uh, their data use um, and the, the data with each other, of course, uh, which creates another problem, which is just, you know, we're going back to the email problem where centralizing corporations will own most of the data. Um, but unless we get to a point where I can actually host all my data in my on my phone and you are connecting to my phone directly, I don't see an alternative. There's just too much data. Uh, if this really picks up as as we wish, um, one potential solution uh, that comes to mind. I, I do agree. I, I think a lot of that uh, a lot of that stuff is going to happen. We're going to end up with bigger relays uh, than we currently have. Like Domus's relay is going to look like a small one uh, in comparison. Uh, if if Nostra reaches global scale, um, but you know, like in, in the same way that uh, uh, binary trees or other data structures help with um, memory access in programming uh, programming languages. Um, we could do a similar sort of tree structure for DVMs. You know, again, taking search, for example, 
uh, say you've got uh, you know a million relays and you have uh, 10,000 DVMs that between all of them index all those relays and there's overlap, uh, some have more or less. You know, you could also have DVMs that are second layer DVMs. So when they receive a search query, they have uh, a section of the DVM network that they actually actively index. Uh, they negotiate that, uh, pull those results, uh, whether from a cache or from those DVMs, and then reconcile that smaller result set in memory. And then, you know, potentially pass that on to a third layer of DVM. And so, uh, and you also have relevance, right? So uh, it, it would be pretty easy to, to, uh, to structure those, whether it's DVMs or whether it's relays, uh, or whether even just event kinds, um, you know, you don't have to index kind fours. You only have to index kind ones and threes, zero, zero, two, threes, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a subset of data for any individual, uh, it, you know, analysis uh, that has to be done. And then also you can you can vertically separate those by uh, language is probably the most obvious one. If you want to say like I'm, <laughs> I got a search query in English. I think I'm going to search only the English data set. Um, and so, you know, there, there are ways to reduce the, uh, the amount of data that you have to process naively for any indi individual query. Um, but I mean, you're right. You still have, there's a lot of kind one English data <laughs> out there. Yeah. But think about this. Like even today, if you, if you go on Google and you search for a car, you, you don't get only the pictures or the, the text of the car. You get the pictures, the videos, and everything else about the car. So, um, and, in, uh, that it, and there is a way for us to um, create a, a protocol where even if the event is private, say your own DMs, some search um, provider will have your, say, private key to decrypt it, index it, and then provide you as an answer when you search for those things, right? It, it has to be you searching for it. Um, and and the way we do gift wraps today, for instance, could be just one of that. Like I, I can't, in the same way, um, I, you know, we gift wrap messages when I send a message from me to you, I can do a message from me to you and another one for a my search relay that would just be able to, the relay itself will be able to decrypt or the DVM will be able to decrypt and index that for me so that when I search it, then it will bring back um, the information I want. Of course, you have to trust that service, but um, it is, I don't think we're going to go around that because it's, it is, that's why I, I do believe in personal relays more than anything, because I do think you, you will want to search within your own encrypted data, uh, the things that happened in the past with yourself. So you either have a personal relay that have search functionality and can see how your, your, text or encrypted text um, and can parse it over there. But then the same machine has to also compute videos and, and pictures and, you know, figure out when objects are listed and when you have pictures with text and it should decompress it and, and OCR them into something reasonable. Um, so it, it is going to require processing power in that specific relay to get a sense of all this, all the data set we want to have in the end, right? That's the end game. Um, so, so in my mind, there is this difficult friction between, um, DVMs and central service providers as say search, and then a personal relay that does the same search. The personal relay will 
we'll be able to keep things private. I don't need to trust anybody else on this. And maybe that is the architecture we want to go for. Um, but I'm pretty sure in the short term, we're going to have just a service somewhere else. And that service would just be providing the indexing capabilities for us. Yeah. Cool. Super interesting. We're coming up on time here. Um, so is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, any any new projects you want to announce? Uh, any articles you've written that you want people to read? Oh, well, no. Um, I, I do think people... Um, I, I want to um, let everybody know that kind ones are not the preferred kinds for Nuster. Like we need to get out of kind ones as fast as possible. Um, I think as a developer of a kind one client, I'm seeing the limitations of a Twitter like UI and how toxic it is, even, even in the current um, environment where you only have, you know, alpha users and everybody's happy about Nuster. It's already quite toxic. Um, so I can only imagine what it will become when everybody actually started using this. Um, and on top of that, I do think a chat interface is much more welcoming to the majority or the average user out there. It's just, it enables that person to say more in ways that are more welcoming uh, to other people in that, in that say chat group, or, um, and it just like, it, they're gonna use the platform more and better because it is a chat interface as opposed to a Twitter interface. So if anyone is out there just thinking about new clients, I would definitely double down in some chat, you know, based infrastructure that um, with some specific use case in mind, because we have seen already the, the limitations of Twitter-like and Twitter clones um, and how how much they they generalize so much or feed that it it doesn't really feel like, you know, something you can share sometimes, right? So you, we either gonna have topics per feed and that's going to break down and it's never gonna be broken down and enough, or we're gonna have something like a chat interface where, you know, it's just more conversational than what we see on a, on a feed-like system. Yeah, it's a very interesting observation. I'll have to think about that. Um, Cool. Well, thanks for thanks, Vitor. Uh, I had lots more uh, lots more stuff that we could have talked about, uh, so we'll have to do this again soon. Um, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know where to find me. Yeah, yeah, I do. The hour went fast. I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you in no, no, no stranger, right? No, I'm not going this time. Oh, you're not. Going. I'm gonna be following like in in my own bed. Having like just looking at you guys having fun and taking other pictures, and, <laughs> mm, that's gonna be hard. Uh, I'm pretty sure Pablo and NVK is gonna make this whole thing worse. But uh, you know, <laughs> what can we do? Yeah, every uh, every Nostra dev's got to do that at one point. Uh, I couldn't make it to uh, Nostriga, and that was uh, in incredibly painful. <laughs> yep. Cool. All right. Well, I will. Uh, awesome. I'll see you on Nostra, and uh, we'll we'll do this again sometime. 